Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Optometric Insights Show, where we're going to fill your brain with clinical insights that you're going to be able to use in your offices and hopefully care for patients better. We also love feedback as well, to Shoot us feedback. Send us information that you're thinking about after the show as well. So today I'm going to be talking with the man, Dr. Dave Kading. Dave, um, I understand that you have a pretty interesting case to share with us. So, so share it and and let's let's all let's all learn from this. Yeah, buddy, this is a really a, a pretty typical case that we see most often, and you know we all see dry eye patients in our practice, and uh, trying to identify where we go with treatment can be a little bit tricky, particularly with all the diagnostics. I mean, you know, as we looked at, and I, I recently counted the number of diagnostics that. Uh, that I didn't have when I was in optometry school that we now have with dry eye, looking at the treatments and the different types of treatments that are available that weren't available when we were in optometry school, you know, 15 years ago, uh, 27 in your case or whatever it was. Um, but, uh, you know, it can be kind of tricky. And I think that more and more we're, we're realizing that the difficulty that people are having with diagnosing and treating, you know, as you and I have gone around the country and have talked to a lot of clinicians and asked, well, what's your dry eye treatment of choice? Uh, it tends to be that somebody kind of picks up on one treatment and that's kind of their go-to for everybody. So we've kind of uh, boiled down here in the practice something that's uh, something that streamlines that a little bit easier. I, I recently had a 25-year-old dry eye patient who came in who uh, had been to a couple of different people and had an interest in wearing contact lenses and, you know, was, was uncomfortable at the end of the day with her contact lenses. And she had shared that uh, she had tried all of these daily lenses, all of the monthly lenses, and, you know, had been refit several times. Well, come to find out she had worn two or three different types of contact lenses, but thought she had tried them all. Um, and, uh, was just kind of fed up and wanted to be in contact lenses. And so she, you know, sought out our dry eye clinic and, you know, looking at her eyes, I, I didn't see any fluorescein staining. I didn't see any, uh, any lysamine staining for the most part, except kind of along the lower lid margin. And, uh, when I averted her lid a little bit, I didn't even avert all the way. I saw, uh, the line of, uh, the lid wiper region had a little bit of some inflammation. And, uh, you know, you can see that with lysamine a lot easier than fluorescein. And so one of the big takeaways that I've had in my dry eye evolution is the value of, of lysamine as my primary dry eye, uh, dry eye stain. Um, so then what I did is I looked at her lid margins and I, and they looked great. You know, I didn't see any sign of, uh, you know, in, any sign of redness or irritation, telangiectasia or anything along those lines. Um, but I used my meibomian gland expressor and I saw that her meibomian glands were not yielding very much liquid secretions. Um, we are, you, you gave me one of those six or seven years ago. And to this day, it is probably one of the best clinical tools. When you start using that thing regularly, you take for, you realize how much you took for granted the functionality of the lid margin. So thank you for that. And for those that don't know what a meibomian gland evaluator yeah. is, can you d- explain it just a little bit? Because I think yeah, so it kind of looks like a little USB uh, port that you might have, and and you you set it on the eyelid and you 
press and it shows uh, it, 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 it's kind of like a little spring and it exerts about 1.25 grams per millimeter squared of pressure, which is equivalent to a forceful blink. So by pressing on the eyelid with this instrument, if oil comes out, you know that with a forceful blink, the patient is yielding some liquid secretions. And all the studies utilize this instrument uh, to differentiate whether a patient has MGD or doesn't have MGD. And so what our kind of takeaway from this particular case with this patient uh, was that she wasn't yielding hardly any liquid. And as a result, any contact lens that she wore, she had friction as her eyelid slid across the lens, um, which was evident by the lid wiper region, you know, having quite a bit of inflammation. So we did a thermal pulsation treatment on her. Uh, we have two of them in the office. We have both the Lippy Flow and the Ilux. And what we were looking for is that after treatment, the patient's meibomian gland secretion scores went from little to far more. And they did. You know, the patient came back at her, uh, you know, month and a half visit and she reported, I don't see any difference at all. Um, and that's pretty typical. Usually it takes uh, about six to 12 weeks before the patients are really starting to notice something because it takes a while for those glands to start waking up again and start to flow. So I told her just to have patience. I explained that ahead of time. And at her three month visit, she was saying that she was uh, not noticing her contact lenses nearly as often at the end of the day. And uh, the evidence kind of shows us that it continues to get better and better and better. So you know, kind of some takeaways for us is one, consider utilizing lysamine green, uh, looking for lid wiper epitheliopathy, uh, and looking for a simplified way of telling whether the patient has MGD. Um, and I think also, you know, you and I have, have spoken all over the country, all over the, the world for that part about contact lens discomfort. And really, it might not be the lens at all. It might just be that they've got uh, decreased oil secretions, you know, my patient was, uh, you know, was in her 20s and she was starting to have this problem, which isn't typically a dry eye related age. So uh, some interesting things uh, in this particular case with the youth that she had. Dave, when would you consider like, so now thinking outside the box, because you obviously went, you treated the ocular surface. That was the underlying issue. Would you ever even consider like maybe orthokeratology for this patient as opposed to a traditional kind of, I wear the lens during the day type lens? Yeah, well, I know both you and I are big fans of orthokeratology and I tend to, I tend to reserve ortho-K as a dry eye treatment for those patients who, uh, who, who have such severe ocular surface diseases that uh, wearing contact lens gives them blurry vision throughout the day. So, you know, if she would enjoy the benefits of orthokeratology, of freedom from glasses, daytime, uh, during the daytime, uh, and not have to wear soft contact lenses, absolutely. Um, you know, it, and that isn't to say that I'm not a fan of ortho-K for everybody, but I, I tend to want my patients to be capable of wearing a contact lens in their 20s and 30s and 40s. If they can't because of an ocular surface issue, I want to treat that not just switch them from a contact lens that they're into something different. So your, so your philosophy is one, let's make the ocular surface healthy. And now two, let's discuss the options with the patient and yeah. figure out uh, uh, with that discussion, what, what kind of the best route for that? Yeah. And I think both you and I were guilty of this 
years ago is that we would always just switch the contact lens, try something different, right? We're a byproduct of our environment though, Dave. I mean, when you think 10, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, what diagnostics did we have? What therapeutics did we have? I mean, there was, there was next to nothing. So the only option we had was different artificial tears or different contact lenses. Now we're fortunate because we have more advanced lenses and more advanced diagnostics and more advanced therapeutics. Yeah. Yeah. Great, Dave. Well, anything else before we close out, bud, that you'd want to add about this case that you just kind of a nugget or two that you want to... Uh, the- yeah. Well, you know, I think one other the tidbit is that I was able to tell whether her MGD was better or not based upon based upon the observable evidence. I didn't just base it on her telling me. As I saw glands that were clogged, I did a treatment and I saw that they were improved. Even though she didn't think it was better yet, I knew it was going that direction because of the clinical evidence. And I think that's important in our dry eye cases to be able to see that things are improving. Well, Dave, thank you. Like, I mean, I love, I love what you've kind of really highlighted here, understanding the objective nature and the subjective nature. You too, Dave, you really kind of forced me and pushed me into these objective subject or subject or objectifying subjective symptoms using the speed questionnaire, using these types of tools that we have to give patients a number so that when we're seeing them back, we know whether or not they're improving based on a number that they're giving us over that that, uh, time period of experience. So thanks, bud. Um, Well, thank you guys all for joining us for this episode of the Optometric Insights Show. Make sure you like us, follow us, ask us questions, give us feedback, and um, we really look forward to the next time we get a chance to connect.